Hi, this is Jim Menick. Welcome back. Uh, for those of you who have been wondering, will there ever be a plot to this nonsense? You may find the answer out in a few minutes. Welcome to Nostrum, the debate soap opera, where deontology is more than just an idea, it's a rebuttal by Jules O'Shaughnessy and the Nostrumite, narrated by Jim Menick. Installment number 17. In the room, forensics come and go. Tarnas Jutmal knocks on Principal Walsh's door. There is no reply. He knocks again, louder this time. Still no reply. He's in there, one of the secretaries says, giving Jutmal a conspiratorial smile over the top of her computer screen. Give him a minute. Jutmal knows the drill. Raoul Walsh's door is always closed, and he's always alone, and it always takes him five minutes to answer a knock. Jutmal dreads knowing what it is that Walsh is doing in there by himself all the time. The door swings open. Come in, Tarnish, come in. Bracing himself, Tarnish enters the inner sanctum. Principal Walsh's office is a decent-sized space with both a desk and two visitor's chairs, plus a conversation corner with a couch and another three chairs and a small table with a pile of outdated Time magazines. The walls are lined with books. Most of them, Jutmal knows, recycled cast-offs from the school library. Raoul Walsh hates to see anything go to waste, especially words, even if they're old and tired. Walsh points Jutmal to one of the chairs in front of his desk and takes his own seat behind the desk. Walsh is a dry old man, his career at night and day stretching back as long as Jutmal's. They both know too much about each other. Walsh even looks a little like Jutmal, white-haired, thin, but he has the remarkable characteristic of wearing a black eye patch, like a kid dressed up as a Halloween pirate. As far as Jutmal knows, no one in real life has worn an eye patch, except perhaps after an operation and only until it's healed, since the old Hathaway shirt man. And the Hathaway shirt man wasn't exactly real life. I'm glad you could see me, Walsh begins. The expanse of desk in front of him is covered with paperwork. Most of his time is spent either justifying his budget to the school board or justifying his teachers to the parents, or somehow justifying something to someone, education has little to do with it. When the boss calls, Raoul, Chutmal crosses his legs, an involuntary act of self-protection. He knows something bad is about to happen. I guess it was a command performance. Walsh gives a thin smile. You got a meeting this afternoon? I've got a meeting every afternoon, Ralph. Today it's the speech people. Walsh nods. Well, that's what I wanted to talk to you about, Tarnish. You found a speech coach? That'll be great, Ralph. I need an assistant. Walsh cuts him off. I haven't found you an assistant, Tarnish. Since Myra left, Jamal stops himself. He has not spoken her name in years, and it surprises him that he has done so now. Walsh says nothing for a moment, allowing Jutmal a second to compose himself. Then he says slowly, 
I have bad news, Darnish. Bad news? About the team. He pushes a paper in front of Jutmaw. That's the budget for the rest of the year. Jutmaw stares at it blankly. And I'm going to have to cut speech and debate. Jutmaw's hand comes to his chest. Walsh is expressionless behind his eye patch. I'm speechless, Jutmaw finally says. And soon to be debateless, Walsh adds. Jutmaw tries to shake away his shock. Night and day has had forensics as long as there's been a night and day, he says. We, we can't just drop it like that, he, he snaps his fingers. Walsh shakes his head. We have no choice, Tarnish. The estimates are that we're getting another hundred students into the high school next year, and another fifty the year after that. The spawn of the baby boomers, Tarnish. The baby boomlet, I guess they call it. And I gotta find room for them in this building, and I gotta find teachers for them, and extracurricular activities. Yeah, and extracurricular activities. But you only have, what, about 20, 25 kids? A very insignificant number overall. I get a lot more participation in mental gymnastics, and it costs a lot less. Jutmal is holding on to the edge of his white goatee as he shakes his head. Mental gymnastics? All they do is play dumbed-down Jeopardy once a year down in the Bronx. That's not an activity, Raoul. There's an activity to the parents who like to see that participation on their kid's resume. They think it gets them into colleges. Forensics looks a lot better to colleges than mental gymnastics. But forensics means work, and a small elite. Most kids don't want to do extra work, not even the smart ones, while mental gymnastics is for the masses who are capable of bullying themselves through. It's for the stupid masses, you mean. No one ever accuses the masses of blinding intelligence, Tarnish. Jutmal slumps back into his seat. I guess not. I probably can support the team at least through the rest of this calendar year. If you keep it on the cheap, that is, no big travel, no planes, none of that sort of thing. Chutmal slumps down even further. We're going down to Messerschmitt this weekend. It's, it's too late to cancel. Oh, Walsh rubs his patched eye. Well, we'd lose most of the money anyhow if we did. But this is it. For the rest of the year, buses and cheap. You can only carry us through December? I might do better than that, but it'll be on a case-by-case -case basis. What about the snowball? The snowball is Night and Day's own annual tournament run every January, usually in the middle of a snowstorm. It's hard to say, Tanish. The team might not be in existence by then. But there's so much advanced planning, so much work, I'll have to know. How long can you wait? He calculates everything that has to be done. Thanksgiving at the latest? I'll let you know by Thanksgiving. We bring in over $2,000 some years, Raoul. And most years you get canceled because of snowstorms and you lose money. We can't afford that this year. We can afford it less than ever. If money is the only issue, what if the kids pitch in themselves to help support the team? Walsh shakes his head. It wouldn't be fair. Some can afford it, some can't. The school can't pick up the tab for the ones who can't, and it wouldn't be right that they suffer just because their parents can't afford to send them to tournaments. Most of them can afford it, Raoul. Chutmal is thinking primarily of the Diamond family's fleet of sports cars. But not all of them. And as principal, I gotta think of all of them. 
Should I tell them, Tarnish asks. That's up to you, Tarnish. I wouldn't if it were me. Then all you get is futile worrying and carrying on while the team is still in existence. Better to make a clean break of it when the time comes, but not before. Chutmal suddenly remembers that this will affect more than just the team. I assume this means my extra coach money is gone, he says, mentally going through his own wallet. Not at all. I'll grandfather that in as a part of your salary. When the team goes, we'll be able to call that a retroactive raise. And you'll still be able to teach your elective class in forensics. I'd never stop that. But that class isn't the team, Ralph. You know that. It's merely a time filler for kids who can't get into Harry Klein's cinema appreciation class. That's not what I'm all about. That's not what the team is all about. Chutmal stands up. I've been a debate coach for a long time, Ralph. And one of the great ones, Tarnish. Don't think that I don't know that. I hate to do this. But you have no choice. Walsh looks up, his one eye expressionless. I have no choice. Jutmal nods. Thanks, Rao. There's nothing else to be said, and Jutmal walks out the door, closing it behind him. And that's how the world ends, Jutmal thinks. Not with a bang, but with a boomlet. A baby boomlet. Are you all right, Tarnish? He is asked by Ms. Mooney, the freshman English teacher with the prosthetic left arm. Chutmal nods. Yeah, yeah, fine. How are you? Freshman, she grits her teeth. Some of them have never read a poem in their life. Fifty percent of them think that Walt Whitman is a mall. Forty percent think that he's a rest stop on the Jersey Turnpike. And the other ten percent think he's a brand of candy. It was always so, Marjorie. But it's getting worse. She shakes her head as she walks towards the coffee machine, and Jutmal exits out of the administration office into the hallway. School is over for the day, but the building is not yet empty of students. Most of them are home, but the after-schoolites are still around, pursuing their extracurricular activities. The jocks are on the field, or in one of the gyms. The orchestra is in the auditorium singing. Jutmal pauses. Something that sounds mysteriously like an Indian raga string rendition of a Hootie and the Blowfish tune. Jutmal shivers and moves on, undecided which he hates worse, the orchestra's inability to synchronize its strings to within three tones of each other, or Hootie and the Blowfish. Must be the Christmas concert, he thinks. Hootie will displease all religions equally, which is what education is about at night and day, isn't it? Mental gymnastics. <sighs> and now the bitterness begins as he crabs his way around a corner toward the speech and debate room, which is also his regular classroom. One class a day in debate, whence he's been able to pull a few potential team members, but mostly where kids sit around and argue aimlessly while he vainly attempts to introduce them to the tools of logic. Three other classes in social studies, where at least some of the kids have to pay attention and perhaps learn something because they have to take a regents exam. Occasionally, a student still comes along who responds to the joy of learning, and Jutmal responds accordingly with his age-old love of learning rising once more from the ashes so that he can share ideas with a fellow human being and perhaps affect a life. But that's rare. That's not where he makes his real connection as a teacher, and it hasn't been for more years than he can recall. No, his real connection has been with his debaters, the kids who choose to use their brains to control their lives, who have no fear of intelligence, whose greatest pleasure is the interplay of ideas, 
whose greatest satisfaction is outthinking their intellectual equals on the playing field of a debate tournament. And now he has to give that up because the damn school is running out of money. Damn it. His hand grabs the doorknob of his classroom. He stops. No, he thinks. He can't go in like this. Anger is not the answer. The kids will read his mind in a second, and then he'll tell them, and he doesn't know if he wants to do that. He'll have to think that through. Besides, it's not over yet. There is still money in the budget, and maybe the snowball and other tournaments to go to. Tomorrow, for instance, he's taking a group down to Florida for the Messerschmitt, one of the first big anything-goes tournaments of the year. Some coaches that he only sees once or twice a season will be there, and he'll have a chance to catch up and share notes. The Florida teams will be out in force, and they're a powerful conglomerate of debaters who seldom make it up to the Northeast. And there's speech and debate both, with people running around in all directions, and the concomitant excitement that goes with so much energy pointed towards intellectual achievement through competition. And the crab cakes at Joe and Rose's, he's never been to Messerschmitt without dragging his team to Joe and Rose's for the crab cakes. So Jutmal makes a firm decision. He's not going to let the impending doom of losing his team spoil the enjoyment of what's left. He's not going to spoil it for himself or for his team. He owes all of them, including himself, that much. If this is his last year, he will not go out with a boomlet. No, he will go out with a bang, because, damn it, what else can he do? Will night and day high school have to give up its speech and debate team? Will Tarnish Jutmal end up coaching the night and day bowling team? Will the night and day snowball suffer premature meltdown? Will George Bush allow stem cell same-sex flag burning? Will next year's English AP exam be devoted to the social contract? All this and more will be ignored in our next installment. Chapstick. Does it exist in nature?